Well, did you give a big offering? Yes. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's, uh, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 16 this morning. John chapter 16. Praise the Lord. Again, welcome to all of our visitors, our guests. So glad you're here. And uh, just excited from, you know, about my family. I hope you're excited about your family, you know. But uh, I was away last Sunday celebrating a uh, covenant pastor friend of mine having an anniversary. So I was there with him. But, you know, just so great to see my, all my family filling in and doing what you're doing, serving God and doing it ably. So Rex brought the word. He was wonderful. So hallelujah. Thanks to, thanks to the Cody crew. And everyone else that serves. So, I know I got the Gospel of John in here somewhere. I just need to focus here a minute. John chapter sixteen. With the Lord's help this morning, at the Lord's direction, I believe that uh, we're going to begin a new series, a new direction of ministry and teaching uh, in these Sunday morning services. For I don't, I'm not sure how long. You know how we are. Praise God. If you've been attending here, we'll go as long as long as there seems life and anointing and unction on that topic. And, uh, but uh, we've been talking about hearing from God and being led by the Spirit, and that's just an inexhaustible subject, and, uh, but I pray that you were stirred up and turned about, uh, you know, learned some things about that wonderful subject. No more important time in your life than, to, you know, needing to be led by the Spirit than right now in the life we're living in. And uh, so let's bow our heads and let's release our faith and believe God for utterance and direction concerning uh, this moment we've come to here. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. God, I, I couldn't minister apart with the, from the help of the Holy Ghost. And so we just so thank you for unction, for anointing, for utterance to be given unto me, that God, that it wouldn't be my opinion that's voiced or uh, anything other than the Word of God and words that would expound and explain. Uh, praise God, preaching and teaching the Word of the living God to the people. I'm just so mindful of what you said, Jesus, to Peter three times. Feed my sheep. Feed my people the Word of God. So we thank you. It is the Word of God. It's bread for our spirits. It's food and renewal for our minds. And I just so thank you that there's life. The Word of God is alive. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that. And you said, God, you sent your word to heal us. You sent your word, and it will prosper in the very thing that you sent it forth to do, that it won't return unto you void. Glory to God. And so I just pray for the people right now that their hearts are open, their minds are alert. Glory to God to receive the engrafted word, which we know is able to save their soul. And so we thank you for leading us and guiding us and helping us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I want to read one of my favorite verses about the Holy Ghost, just sort of as a segue into this uh, new series of teachings. I'm going to call this series, uh, The Truth Will Set You Free. Amen. Or The Truth That Sets You Free. Amen. And uh, praise God, I'm excited about it. So John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and His role uh, in lives of disciples of Christ and, and uh, those that would believe upon the Lord. It says in verse 13, How be it when He, notice the Holy Spirit's not an it, amen, He's the third person of the Trinity, of the Godhead, the Spirit of, what's He called? Not the Spirit of error, but the Spirit of truth. When the Spirit of truth is come, He will do what? He will guide you. He will guide me into all truth. Amen. So you can come to a degree of truth, but there isn't all truth. Now, none of us have arrived at the full and complete knowledge of the truth. Someone said to me, Pastor... I wish you would preach all the truth. I said, well, I'm trying, but I don't, I don't know all the truth. <laughs> Amen, and you don't either. Amen, but oh, thank God that at the new birth, the Holy Ghost came in. He is the spirit of truth. And his paramount mission and assignment is to lead us and to guide us, to escort us into all truth. Amen. 
For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Amen? Praise God. Can we know about things to come? Come on, we should. We should, you know, the longer I live as a Christian and the more I develop my walk with God, the less I'm surprised by things. Uh, because the Spirit of God is, He wants to bring you into the know. He doesn't want to, you know, Jesus, when He was interacting on the earth, people su surprised Him with all kinds of things. Surprise uh, prayer requests, surprise demands, surprise stones they were going to throw at Him, plots, all this kind of stuff. But He never acted alarmed or taken aback or... No, the, Lord, the Holy Ghost, uh, praise God, in His walk with God, and I know He is God, don't get me wrong, praise God, Jesus is God, but He shed His special privileges as deity when He was born a man. And everything He came into the knowledge of supernaturally, He came into the knowledge of that just the way you or I would today through the Holy Spirit. And He did that not because He wasn't capable as God being God, but He was doing that as our example. Jesus is the prototype Amen. Of, he is the firstborn, not the onlyborn. He is the firstborn from among the dead. Yeah. Amen. we got a physical resurrection coming, but our new birth, we were born from among the spiritually dead. Yeah. Amen. And uh, thank God that we can see and we can know and we can have insight about things pertaining to our lives. Amen. Yeah. That will keep us ahead of the devil and ahead of circumstances, ahead of the enemy. Amen. Glory to God. And so thank God. Now, let's go back. To John chapter 8. John chapter 8, a few chapters back to the left. And I hope you brought your Bible with you. And uh, because, uh, depending on how the Lord leads, we'll look at several passages of Scripture today. Glory to God. And I don't, I'm not sure how far we'll get, but we get to the end of our time. We'll just unhook and hook back on next week. Amen. So just make a decision right now. You're coming back. You're not going to miss a service. Amen. Because what an important topic we're, we're talking about. In John chapter 8 and uh, verse number 37, verse th number 37, actually I, I've got you in John 8, but I'd like you to go, keep your finger there, you'll be right back, we're not leaving the book of John, go to John 18, sorry about that, a lot of 8's and a lot of John's, <laughs> amen, John chapter 18, in John chapter 18 we have Jesus arrested, he's already been interrogated, he's been brought before Pilate the Roman governor of Jerusalem at that time. And in verse 37, John 18, verse 37, it says that Pilate therefore said to him, said to Jesus, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, You sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness of what? Unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Amen. You know, there are litmus tests that you can put on a person's life to find out or to authenticate are they the real deal or not. You know, still today, 76% of Americans today identify as Christian. And yet when... Uh, Barna Christian Research Group did their analysis, their survey. He found out when they dug, when he dug deeper into asking these individual professing Christians what they thought and what they believed. He found out that only six percent of Americans today, Amen, live their life with a biblical worldview. Six percent. Now, what do I mean by a biblical worldview? Well, how many? people are actually thinking and believing and acting in line with the basic tenets of the Christian faith. How many Americans? Only 6%. That means you go into town and you line up 100 random Paducans. Only 6% of them are thinking and believing and conducting their life anywhere close to what the Bible actually teaches. Now, I'm telling you, that is a scary statistic, right? I mean, that is, you know, uh, you know, if you've grown up in the church or, you know, you've got this idea about America and that we're a Christian nation. Well, we were founded as a Christian nation. That was our beginning. That was our aim. That was our purpose, of course. But we are not today. We are living in a post-Christian world here in America. 
And yet, isn't it funny that 76% of Christians, still a large majority when asked, say they're Christian. You know what that tells me? They say they're Christian, but when you actually ask them some details, they're not living like a Christian. They are not, they've missed something about the truth. There's a big gap here filled with error and lies and deception. Amen. And so Jesus said to Pilate, I have come to bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. You know, Jesus in John 1, we're not turning there, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. Jesus is the Word personified. Amen. He is the Word made flesh. Believer, you could call yourself a Christian all you want, but if you are not living in line with what the Word says and with what the Word teaches, you know, you've embraced error and lies and deception. Jesus said that if you hold, and we'll see this in a moment, if you hold fast to my teachings, amen, if if you abide in my Word, then you're my disciple indeed. But see, if you don't, then you're not. Hello. Let's keep reading here in John chapter 18. Verse 38 says, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? Now, I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, I don't know if Pilate is being a smart aleck. You know, I, you know there's, a, there's this same kind of sarcastic attitude among humanity today. What is truth? Your tr- we hear phrases a lot in this day and hour, don't we? Your truth. That's your truth. But that's not my truth. Listen, that's a bunch of, as my childhood pastor would say, poppycosh. That's a bunch of bunk. Are y'all going to get excited with me about this series or not? <laughs> Amen. That's a bunch of hooey. That may, that may pet people's emotional feelings and fur, but it is not based on reality. Truth, by definition, is the truth. Now, though, there are those that, that I've read their books, I've read articles, and they have said, not to me personally, but they've, they've said to me in their writings, in their, in their books, there is absolutely no such thing as absolute truth. Now listen, we're a smart bunch. Think about that statement for just a minute. If what they said is true, absolutely that it's absolutely true that there is no such thing as absolute truth, and they just proved beyond doubt that there is such a thing as something true absolutely. (laughs) And God help me. Amen. You're believing with me, aren't you? This is a vast subject. We could go a lot of different directions. I am loaded for bear. I normally try to generate about three pages of notes because I don't get those preached. Now, I've got seven with me today. So, you know, I've just got both barrels loaded. And I'm not gunning for anybody. Amen. I'm out to help everybody. But no doubt the Lord's going to have me say some things with some shock value because I'm concerned for humanity today that we just, you know, truth. I'm going to jump ahead for just a minute and then I'll back up. But, uh, you know, truth is not what you wish it to be. Think it to be, want it to be. Truth is not what you hope it to be. Truth is the way it really is. Think about if I said, now listen, Deacon Jerry, I understand that your truth is that the earth is flat. But my truth is that the earth is round. And that we could walk hand in hand and just except both of those are reality because he thinks the earth is flat. I think the earth is round. So the earth is flat. He can't go on vacation as far as I can go because in his mind, the earth is flat, right? Amen. And it's true for him. I mean, if he goes too far in the Pacific, he's going to fall off. The earth is going to flatten out just for Jerry. 
Do you see how ridiculous this notion is? So people, but the, I'm not attacking anybody. People are sincere when they say, it is my truth that I am a girl today. And they have boy everything. It's Sweetheart, it's not true. Well, I think it is. That don't make it so. Now, we can laugh, and I'm going to mix some of that in. I'm not nearly as funny as my wife is, praise God. But, uh, you know, um, people go to hell this way. They lose their soul for eternity this way. Children lose their innocence and their identity when teachers come in when they're two or three or second grade or third grade at any age and start talking to them about identification and gender confusion and all this bunk and crap that's going on in our public schools today. Amen. And, and it's no wonder kids grow up in this atmosphere and they're marred and they're twisted and they're scarred. And they, right? And the most basic, obvious truths are being warped and changed and twisted. And these are just another of many signs that we're living at the end of 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 the last days. But let's, let's, give, Pilate, let's give Pilate for a moment the benefit of the doubt that he's not being sarcastic. He's not a religious guy that I know anything about. And uh, maybe he's being sincere when he says, What is truth? So let's start this series today by endeavoring to answer Pilate's question. How about that? Amen. What is truth? Now go back to John chapter 8. Oh, hallelujah. Now again, you know, uh, we're a res we like response around here. And so, you know, I've had a long-standing deal with my congregation. If you give me good response, I won't go preach the begats for an hour. How about that? Is that a good deal? Do you find a good place to say amen or wave a hanky or, you know, whatever you want to do, praise God, it, it helps me, amen? amen. And uh, so anyway, John chapter 8, and let's, um, let's pick it up in verse number 30. It says, and he spoke these words, many, as he spoke these words, many believed on him, Jesus. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word... Then are you my disciples indeed. Now, there is a difference between a believer and a disciple. And we have many more believers than disciples. So, you know, Jeremy, Eliah, when they confessed Jesus, like they became believers. They are born into the family of God. Now the call on their life and the commission on their assignment on their life, like all of ours, is to now become a disciple. Now what is a disciple? Well, a disciple is a student. A disciple is someone in training. A disciple has a leader, has a master, has a rabbi, has a teacher, a mentor. Amen. And, uh, you know, the commission on the church is to go into all the world, preach the good news to every creature, and then they say, if they, they that believe will be saved, amen, come into the kingdom of God. And then it says, go ye and make disciples, followers, amen, students of all nations, amen. You know, my job here as a pastor, I hope you know this, is not to preach what's popular. That's not my job, is to preach what's popular. It's not my job. Uh, this is not an entertainment center. This is not where we come to watch a donkey and pony show and, and, and blink our eyes at laser lights and inhale someone's fake smoke machine. That is not the job of the church. We're going for the real smoke. The when the glory cloud shows up. And until we have that, we ain't going to have no smoke. Because when we have smoke, we'll either need to exit the building really fast or it'll be the glory of God in manifestation. But no, no cheap fleshly imitations. Hallelujah. And uh, I want you to like me. I sure do. Amen. But my job as a minister of the gospel is to present the truth as best as I, the Lord's revealed it to me. Hallelujah. So we're in John chapter 8. If you continue in my word, 
You are my, my disciples indeed. There's another one of those litmus, litmus, litmus tests, right? Proofs of authenticity. Are you holding to the, uh, you know, and you just have to judge yourself through this series. Um, you have to weigh and, and maybe you need the help of the Holy Spirit, no doubt. How much of the Kool-Aid of the culture have you actually drunk? How much of our minds have been influenced by the waves and the, the flow of the world? How, how far have we drifted from the standard of the Word? Amen. You know, when it comes to salvation, if we can't convince a sinner that they're drowning, we can't make them interested in the life preserver. Right? And if we don't see people as drowning, we won't throw them the life preserver. A lot of Christians today don't want to throw the life preserver of truth at a drowning man because we don't want to get yelled at for hitting them in the head. Come on, but I grew up on the lake, and, if I, and I've, I've been, had the wind knocked out of me doing crazy stuff and tubing and skiing and doing all this stuff. And I tell you what, when they spun back around and jerked me up out of the water, I was glad about it. I, I wasn't mad about it. Amen. Hit me in the head. Amen. A drowning man wants to be saved. But we're living out there where most of our compadres out here in America think that they're all right and they're not all right. Amen. They, they, they would argue with you and say that they're not drowning. Amen. Anyway, trying to get to this next verse. Verse 32. Look at what Jesus said. He said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, freedom is something that our society seems to really herald, that we value still. I'm free. Well, what, what makes us free? Truth. Truth. See, this is why you need to embrace truth. It may not feel good. It may slap you upside the head sometimes. But you need to embrace truth, love truth, want the truth, seek the truth. Amen. Why? Because with every nugget of truth you come into, amen, you'll, you'll, it will make you free. I said, it'll make you free. We cannot allow the pressure of the culture to get us to be quiet about sexuality and God's standard and what the Word says. We cannot. Why? Why can't we? Because God loves those people and they can't be free apart from the truth. We're not letting them be free. They're not free going on. Men with men and girls with women with women holding hands, kissing, getting in fake marriages and, and all this kind of jazz. And we celebrate them and we don't want to... You know, we're not helping them. I said, we're not helping them. Now listen, I'm glad that we're past where we were in society when I was growing up. You know, if you were thought to be... Lighten the loafers. That's how we used to say it. If you were lighting the loafers, then you know you were going to get pulled into the back alley and beaten. I'm glad we're past that day. Every human being is created in the likeness of God. And I don't care how far someone may have drifted from the truth of God's Word, we owe them respect and should be respectful. But that does not mean that we should not speak the truth in love. I mean in love. Because if we stop doing that, they cannot be free. And God wants them free. Amen. I mean, if, if you're confused about your gender, I'm not making fun of that. But you, you need to hear the truth, sweetheart, so you can be free. Heterosexual people, you know, a man and a woman shacking up together. That's been, well, where, where are we in our culture? That's celebrated, no problem. You know, you know my grandparents, you, you, people, it happened. But there was, a, there was a social price to pay if you shacked up. Had a child out of wedlock. 
Now, wherever the society's become more respectful, I celebrate. But where we've lowered the standard, I lament. And we should mourn. Amen. Hallelujah. If the truth makes you free, what would a lie do, Karen? Bind you up. If a truth makes you free, then a lie will keep you bound. Is that not right? God doesn't want us bound. Keith Moore said this. I'll give him credit this time. Then it's mine after this. But You know, he said the truth makes you see. When you see, you can be free. But a lie blinds. And a lie binds. Now that's mine. For now, I'm taking that for myself from now on, right? Amen. And that's, but that's exactly right. As long as we hold to a lie, it binds. It blinds. And we won't even try to be free of the bind if we're blind to the fact that we're bound. <laughs> I mean, the devil, I tell you, he's such a trickster. Very subtle. Amen. Praise God. Go with me. Let's see where I want to go. We're going to talk about what is truth. And you uh, stay here in John chapter 8. Let's, let's look at something. I'm going to quote you another verse in John. You could write it down. We're not going to turn there. John 14, verse 16. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when it comes to the Word of God, the Word of God doesn't have any gray in it. There's no ambiguity in it. The Bible is a stark, bold, a brash book of contrasts. The Bible defines the difference between what is light and what is dark. You with me? The Bible draws a clear line of distinction between what is good and what is evil. And along that line, the Bible is clear in its declarations of what is true and what is a lie. You know, in my studies, I, I'm no Bible expert, but uh, Job, I understand, is the oldest book of the Bible. It's older than Genesis. And in the book of Job, the oldest, the most ancient writing in our Bible, Thousands and thousands of years old. Way before the Hubble telescope and the space station. Job told us that about the earth being a sphere and talking about it having a north. Amen. How did he know that? He didn't sail the ocean blue in 1492. No. God told him that. It took thousands and thousands of years for science to catch up with what God told Job. But what God told Job was true and what the world believed by the vast majority in his day until just some centuries ago was a lie. Be careful, friends, about going with what everybody says is right. Because the vast majority of the time, the masses are wrong. So you see this contrast, John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But in John 8, verse 44, you should be in John 8, look at that. Jesus confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said, You are of your father, the devil. You think they liked hearing that? You think Jesus was out to, was he being sarcastic? Was he just trying to hurt their feelings? Was he trying to be offensive? Was he telling the truth? You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He, meaning the father, who's that? He'll tell you in a minute, Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning 
and abode not in the truth. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar. Woo, we could have a good time on that. He is a liar. For years building this building, he would, he would, Satan and demons would assault my mind with these unwelcome thoughts. This is how that works. You know, the devil doesn't come through the front door with a red hat on saying, I'm the devil. You know, that's not how that works. Amen. But he'll bombard your mind. Amen. From the outside in. And for years, it would, it's not going to work. 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 You're never going to get that foundation laid. And then we got the foundation laid. But it sat there for a year and a half. And I had to drive from the office to by here every day for a year, right? Longer than a year. It'll never work. It'll never work. It'll never work. You'll never get that foundation paid off. You'll never get it. They're just going to look at pipes and concrete for all eternity and make fun of you. Didn't work. It wouldn't work. He's a liar. Then we got the shell of the building up. That's something he said we would never be able to do. But then the moment the shell, he forgot about that failure and he goes, it'll never work, it'll never work, you'll never have walls, you'll never have drywall, you'll never, there's not an electrical cord coming in here anywhere. It's going to fail, it's going to fall, it's going to And then the walls started to go up, you'll never finish it, you'll never finish it, it'll never be done, you'll never move in. Amen. And I have learned over the years, if he's talking, he's lying. I said he's lying. And I have scripture for this. He is the creator of falsehood. He is the author of lies and deception. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He he is not of the truth. He does not have the capacity, Brother David, to tell you the truth. So listen, if he's saying you're sick, guess what? You, you, You ought to celebrate. If he said this disease will be the one that takes you out, you ought, to just, you ought to just celebrate if, from this day forward. Why? Because he does not have the capacity to tell you the truth. Amen. So when he says you're going down, it's a sure sign you're going up. Amen. And when he says you're sick and you'll never be free of it, you'll never be healed, you sure enough your healing's at the door. When he says you'll never get out of this financial mess, you'll never get, you'll never prosper, you'll never have a blessed day, I'm telling you, friends, he's a liar. He's a liar. You just need to have, you just need to interpret his words correctly when he speaks. It's the exact opposite of whatever he's saying. People, you know, they walk out of the church and they Pastor ain't got no love. Pastor don't like me. Listen, that's the devil. And it's exactly, he's just lying to you. It's not true. Don't lose your church. Don't lose your pastor because you believed a lie. Amen. Listen to this verse from the New Living Translation. It says, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. Why has he attacked marriage like he has? Because marriage is God's truth. It is the truth about the abiding state of a man and a woman and the family. And where things are blessed, and where things are good, and where things are wholesome, and where things are pure and safe. The society, the culture acts like it's okay. It's nothing unhealthy about allowing a gay couple to adopt a child. That's far from the truth, my friends. I said that's far from the truth. See, I can see even some of your eyes. You're going to say, did I say that? Well, listen, I'm telling you, friends, we have believed in the church people. Lies. Lies. Falsehoods. They're not true. Satan has always hated the truth. Look, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, keep going in your Bible with me. Y'all all right? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it is timely and it is right that the Lord would have us uh, stirring around on some of these truths. 
Because Paul, by the Spirit, when he began this turn in his writing to Timothy, he began to look by the Spirit and prophesy not about the last days, which is biblically defined as the entire church age, which has lasted about 2,000 years so far. But he gets over, if you understand the Greek language, do some Greek word studies. This word last days is epis- uh, um, well, eschatos, where we get the word eschatology, and it means the last of the last, the last of the last. There is no more. You can't go any further. Like a ship that's been on a cruise and it's going like the riverboats. They go from here and they stop and they stop and stop. But eventually, they pull into the last port. That's it. There's no more to go. That's it. Final port. And this is the time frame Paul is speaking about. There is, when you get to this place in time, there is no more. Amen. In terms of the age about to end and the next thing about to take place. So let's look at what Paul said. He said, now this no, no, I don't have time to preach that to you, but it's really strong. Like you must know, you have to know that in the last days, when you come to this moment of time, perilous times shall come. Are you with me? I'm going to go ahead for time's sake and just jump to my Amplified. And it says, but understand this, that in the last days will come, will set in perilous times of great distress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Friends, we've come to times that are hard to deal with and hard to bear. Now, notice he goes on and describes when you reach, you're pulling into the final port, the last of the last, you can't go any further, amen, you come to the culmination of the age, what society will look like, what it'll be like. For people, verse 2, will be lovers of self. Never before have we had selfies, but we have them today. We've had young people die trying to get a cool selfie, hanging off trains and cliffs and bridges. Beautiful kids trying to become an influencer and get more than one or two likes on their Facebook page. Die! Stupid. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and aroused by inordinate, greedy desire for wealth. Proud, arrogant, contemptuous boasters, they will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents. They'll be ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection. They will be callous and inhuman. You know, when kids go out in, in, in Chicago, in New York, in our cities and push down elderly men to their death on the concrete and laugh. And society is not shocked anymore. We've come to different days. Callous, inhuman. we got a guy over here with nuclear bombs. And where's he pointing them? Not his nuclear bombs, but his missiles. Maternity wards, hospitals, mosques, churches. People's residences. I mean, we live in a callous, inhumane... It goes on and says the society will be relentless. Admitting no truce of appeasement. I mean, the forces against righteousness in the culture, this whole cancel thing, they will not relent. They are not interested in compromise or live, let live. It's you're going to come and drink the Kool-Aid and agree and salute, or you're going to lose your job and ostracized and ridiculed and persecuted. Mm-hmm. They will be slanderers, false accusers. I mean, never before have preachers faced what they've pre- uh, faced from governments and societies. Falsely accusing preachers of stuff they have not done. I'm telling you. Amen. Rash, inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures. Never before have we been so perverse and sexualized. Uh, then, you know, I know pornography has been around since forever, but not like today. I said, not like today. Amen. And it goes on and says, they are lovers of vain amusement more than they are lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, a true religion, they deny and reject and, reject, and they are strangers to the... This is what I started out saying. People profess Christianity in America, but they deny its power. They don't live its teachings. They just want the name. Hello. It goes on and says, 
they conduct, their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. They don't match. And it says, avoid, turn from all such people. He didn't say embrace them. It said turn from them. The church needs more contrast today. The church looks way too much like the world. The services look way too much like the world. Amen. We have churches whose entire aims are to be relevant. Relevant to what? Relevant to sin? Relevant to the culture? I want to be relevant to God. I want to be relevant to the Word. I want to be relevant to Jesus. More than I want to be friendly with the Word. The Bible just makes no... I read it this morning in my devotion. James says, friendliness with the world makes you the enemy of God. Friendliness with the world makes you the enemy of God. We love the world. We want to engage the world. We pray for the world. We want to meet the needs of the world. But we must live the standard of the world, right, so that there's a lot less gray and there's black and white. There's good and right. There's right and wrong. There's good and evil. There's light and darkness. Okay, i got two people on the front row with me. Praise God. Amen. Keep reading on, and if you skip down to verse 8 in the Amplified, it says, Now just like Janus and Jambres were hostile to and resisted Moses, so these men, men like this today, they are hostile to and what? They oppose the truth. You know, I have preacher friends in Canada that have already spent, I know, I'm going fishing with him in May. A precious man named Craig Fields, Pastor Craig Fields, he's already been arrested. He's already spent time in the clink for reading scriptures of the Bible in Canada. Canada's no bastion of liberty anymore. Do you see what they did to the truckers? Police came in, all their riot gear, beat them down, took them to jail, uh, you know, took their money, seized their assets. Some of them lost their homes. Sounds like, sounds like 1930 Germany to me. Not the Canada of yesterday. Amen. And, and so governments, the culture, society is becoming increasingly hostile to and opposing the truth. Now look at the next phrase. They have depraved and distorted minds. They have depraved and distorted minds. They are reprobate, counterfeit, and to be rejected as far as the faith is concerned. 2 Timothy uh, 3.13 in the Amplified 3.13, so skipping down a little bit more, wicked men and imposters will go on from bad to worse. See, it's not going to get, when you reach this time frame, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Worse and worse. Amen. Go, go out there and get my book. How to Overcome Last Day's Deceptions, and, and you read more about that. I've got a whole chapter in there about spiritual imposters that stand behind pulpits and look real nice. They're not preaching the truth. They are deceiving. They are deceived, and they're leading people astray themselves. One more reference, and then we're going to move into our closing here. Isaiah 520, you could just write it down. God says, woe. And when God says, woe, I mean, he means woe. I mean, he's like, bad stuff is coming down the pike. Woe is the stuff of the book of Revelation, all right? Bad day. Woe unto them that call evil good. Did y'all get that? They call evil good. That put darkness in the place of light and light for darkness. And put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to the one that does that. Today it's common on the media to hear abortion called health care. Abortion is not health care. It has nothing to do with women's health. It has to do with death. I have a past that's party to that. 
I, I don't speak from a place of insensitivity. I speak from a place of having been one in my part that is received of the mercy of God, the blood of Jesus, and the forgiveness of sins. Amen. So don't get me wrong. Amen. Anyone that's had an abortion, God loves you so much, and He's ready to forgive, but it's not health care. And yet they pump it out. And, they, and they, people that look real nice behind a camera in a cool green screen, screen with a good graphic, and they say this stuff over and over and over again, and it seeps into the consciousness of the society. And that's what people think they're going to vote for is health care. You're not voting for health care. Here, here's one. I might get in real trouble for this one. Amen. Global warming. How many of you, and I'm not making fun, how many of you young people, you believe, you've heard, you believe that the earth is facing catastrophe? That you might as well not even have children because the sea is going to rise so hard and it's going to get so hot. Because of global warming, that we are that if you don't give up all your rights, and if you don't ride a bicycle, God forbid you drive a diesel. That oil is the antichrist's drink of choice. Now, how many of you believe that you you don't you don't have to raise your hand, but you believe? That there is such a thing as global warming. It's happening, and it's really bad, and we have to do something about it. And if I have to give up taxes and rights and freedoms because we have to do it because we're about, California's about to fall off, and New York City's about to be swallowed up by the ocean, and listen, you don't have to raise your hand. I know the majority of you believe in climate change. I believe in climate change. I believe in summer, winter, spring, and fall. That's climate change. Well, scientists agree, Pastor. I mean, the scientific community is in absolute... Who told you that? Where did you hear that? What, what study did you read? What conference did you attend? Where did you get this? You heard it. And you heard it, you heard it, you heard it, you heard it, you heard it. But what you, what you may not realize is that people have been pumping out this lie. Yeah. When I was born, I was born in 1972. And about that time, they were uh, telling us, we better buy, we better learn Eskimo ways, because Missouri is about to become a glacier. <laughs> it wasn't global warming then, it was, glo it was the next ice age is upon us. And if we don't give up all of our rights and change all of our ways, that we're all going to freeze to death. And for decades, it never happened. In fact, it got warmer. So by the time you get into the 90s, and you get Brother Al Gore, bless his name, who has made millions upon millions of dollars flying jets that burn fossil fuels. Propagating this lie that now it's global warming. Global warming. We're all about to fry. And every time there's a forest fire, every time there's a hurricane, you know what was funny is when you watched Al Gore go to different conferences, it snowed everywhere he went. It was like God was making fun of him. And we hear it today. Our national security... I'm not going to get political with you, but I'm just saying our national security is being severely compromised right now, and we're all paying dearly. Why? Because we believed a lie that oil is killing plants. Carbon dioxide is killing the planet. Can I just tell you a truth? Carbon dioxide cannot be a pollutant. You breathe it. I know y'all want Rex back. 
plants eat it. The trees, the cacti, the oaks, the gardens, the grass. If we pump out more CO2, we're going to have more, bigger, healthier plants. Again, you don't have to agree with me, but scientists don't agree. Just Google it. They, They don't agree. And buy an electric car if you want. I might. Some of them are pretty cool. But don't buy it because you think you're on a crusade to save your children. What are they going to... They're going to need John over there. Amen. To pump out a whole lot more coal to generate the electricity to charge your little car. All right, my wife says, move on. I bring stuff up like this because in America it's universally accepted that humans are destroying the planet and the seas are about to, and we know it's not true from the Bible. The Bible says God has set the borders of the ocean. That's a scripture. The Bible says as long as the earth remains, cold and heat... Winter and fall, you know, spring and summer, seed time and harvest will not cease. And the best thing that I can find is that, yes, the earth, it's warmed 0.75 degrees. (laughs) Most people are recording mild drops in sea level. What is truth? Well, number one, truth is a person. That's number one. I quoted it to you earlier, John 14, 16. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth, real truth, is a person. And who is Jesus? Jesus is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. He is the Son of God who is the physical manifestation and personification of who God is. You want a reliable, the only source of truth to draw on? Truth is God. The Bible says that it is impossible for God to tell a lie. We humans don't have the capacity to save the planet. It's human pride to think we could. We should keep it clean. My kids will tell you, I've made them go up and down the highway where I live picking up litter. I don't like it. We should have clean air, clean, right? But be sane about stuff. But truth is a person. Number two, I only have three of these, so we're almost done. Number two, truth is the Word. Truth is the Word. How do I know that? John 17, 17 says Jesus is in the middle of His powerful prayer right before He goes into the uh, passion moment, before He's crucified. And He says, sanctify them, Father, by Your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And it's been proven time and time and time and time and time again. Science is the one that has to change everything. The Bible has got one addition. But how many elementary, your elementary school, look at the number of additions. How many times have they had to amend and change? And yet we just take what they say as gospel. No, the gospel is the gospel. And science is always playing catch-up. And it's so sad, science now has been hijacked and politicized. And there's an agenda behind a lot of science today. 
We need the truth. The truth will set us free, everyone. And the truth is a person. And the truth is that person's word. It's his word. And because of I, I, wrote, I wrote to you about the times, you know, that we're living in. And the days. You know, another thing that Paul said, I'm trying to let you go here. But you can write the reference down at least in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the next chapter. Paul said this, For the time is coming when people will not tolerate sound, wholesome instruction. But having itching ears for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen. Why were these teachers chosen? To satisfy their own liking and foster the error they hold. So people, Paul's prophesying in these last days, people will no longer tolerate hearing what's true, but they will seek out and choose people that will tell them things that promote and validate error they walk in. Beware, God's people. I said beware, know about the day and the hour you're living in. Some people are way too trusting. You should trust God absolutely. It's like I heard about the gas station owner that on the outside of this building said, here we trust God absolutely. Everyone else pays cash. (laughs) Right? God is trustworthy. People and their checks are not always. Amen. So it says that these, 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, they will gather up teachers to their own liking to foster the errors they hold, verse 4, and they will turn aside from hearing the truth. You wouldn't think that'd be so, would you? You wouldn't think that people, I would, I would think, hon, that people would only want me to tell them the truth. That sounds reasonable, right? But you know it's not right. Do wives always want to hear the truth when they ask about that dress? Or about the meal they cooked? <laughs> Watch out, <right? laughs> Do I look bad? You know, do we want the truth? We, we would think, wouldn't we, Stacia, that people would want to only hear the truth. But that's not true. People want to hear the lie they've bought into spoken as truth. To root them further in their deception. Yep. Amen. So what did we say? We said, number one, truth is a person. Truth is the word. Amen. And number three, lastly, Truth is reality. What's real. Amen? Truth is reality. Even if something really pets my fur backwards, I have decided I want the truth. You know, the truth of God's Word has separated me from other Christians. Because the truth is, the baptism with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues is available. But a lot of people don't want me to utter that, believe that, teach that, express that. Amen? A lot of people believe that the reality is, that the truth is, is that healing's passed away. And that's not true either. How do I know that? Well, I don't know that because I uh, survey Christians' health. I go to the person, and I go to His Word. And I can't find the place where He said healing's passed away. There's tremendous consequences and just unfortunate judgments that will happen to any person 
who abandons the truth to embrace a lie. And this is what I'm going to finish with. You all say, you've been saying that. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> hallelujah. It is really true. Hallelujah. Absolute, Absolute truth. <laughs> I'm just going to read to you Romans chapter 1, a passage out of Romans chapter 1 from the New Living Translation. I'm going to start in verse 18. Now remember, what's true? The word's true. Not what you think, not what you wish, not what you hope. With only 6% of human beings walking around in our nation today, anywhere close in their thinking and believing to the Bible, you think about what that means for your teachers, our governors, our leaders, our politicians, our parents. And I'm not saying they're bad people, but if they believe a lie to be true and they tell you, they may be sweet, but they're hurting, they're not helping. This is the truth. And this may be hard for you to hear, but this is true. Right? But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. What does that mean? When people live wickedly, they prevent what's good from being seen. For ever since the world was created... People have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they would not worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. See, a lot of Christians, they're not worshiping God as He is. They are worshiping God as they hope Him to be. It's no big deal I sleep around. Everybody does it. God knows my heart. Yeah, He does, and it's not right. People think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, notice the result of making up foolish ideas of what you think God is like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds and animals and reptiles. See, people worship the planet today. Mother Nature. No such woman. She does not exist. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth of God for a lie. So they worshipped and they served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged the set in sex with each other. Does that sound like God's approving? And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered. As a result of this sin, they suffered. So on almost every movie, everything, they're going to insert their token character. And they're going to paint them out to be happy, normal, joyful, fulfilled. We know it's not true because of what the Word says. Maybe not all at once, right? Maybe he hasn't shown up yet. But look at what God said. They suffer within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge... Now, just quick. I get it done with the bottom of the page. I'm, I'm done. You're going home. Uh, that's illegal to read in Canada today. 
that right there is Ill, that's it in Canada. The book on the statute is that's a hate crime. It's a human rights violation to speak the truth. That's sad, isn't it? You know, if we don't pay attention and pray, church, and stand up and be vocal, it'll be here. I said it'll be here. Y'all going to bail me out? All right. Praise God. You sing Jailhouse Rock or something. Amen. Anyway, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises. They are heartless, and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. That's for this culture to hear, maybe not you, but for this culture to hear that read and spoken, that's, a, that's what somebody told Jesus one day, that's a hard truth. But it's only hard because of how far we've let ourselves go from the standard of the Word. And don't listen, don't leave here and think me wrong. I, I am not against someone living this kind of lifestyle. I'm for them. I want them to be free. Amen. And they can't be free in that. And they are welcome here. But they're not welcome here to hold hands. They're welcome here to come and hear the truth. And to be set free by God's power and God's love. As is the case for every sin. Not just those ones. Amen. All sin will take you to hell if you don't have Jesus in your life. Over the next several weeks, as the Lord helps me and us, we're going to fact check what you believe. That's my purpose. And as we approach Easter, there's going to come a message about the truth about hell. What the Bible really teaches and who goes there. And so this is a great time, everyone, to invite your friends. Invite invite people to come. Uh, Amen? Are you okay? You love the truth? What's the truth? Jesus, the person, and what's real? Amen. Stand up on your feet today.